Hello, sports fans, and welcome to Let Me Speak, the show that shares sports' biggest headlines explained, uninterrupted, and maybe a little audacious. I'm Joe Braverman, and today's topics we'll be discussing are expectations heading into the MLB League Championship Series. Plus, two special guests join the show to review NFL Week 5 and preview Week 6. And our guests also help preview the NBA season ahead of Tuesday's season opener. It's episode 43 of Let Me Speak, and it starts right now. Hey everybody here on Thursday, October 14th, 2021, the 43rd episode of Let Me Speak. Thank you everyone for tuning in. If you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts, I'm first going to predecess that I apologize if I lose a little bit of my breath or cough a little bit. It's a little bit of a cold, but we're getting over it. We're near the end, but hopefully it's going to get a lot better. We've got a really great show lined up for you. We've got a couple of special guests joining us for the NFL, our review, their pick'em segment, and previewing the NBA, but stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, ahead of time, we got to talk about the MLB. The postseason is into high gear. We are very close to the final four. There's one series left to be decided, and it's going to be decided tonight between the Dodgers and the Giants with Game 5 in San Francisco. So by this time, by the time this episode comes out, we will know the final four of the MLB playoffs. But let's just dive into the series, talk about what's been going on. And we'll start in the National League with a National League Championship Series. I'll look at both perspectives from the Dodgers and the Giants if one of them gets in. But we got to start with the Braves because I was so surprised to see Atlanta make this postseason so just dominate, essentially. You know, some people could say, yeah, you could see them winning, but not the way they did. I mean, their pitching has been phenomenal. It was phenomenal against Milwaukee, and more so it was the bullpen, because aside from Charlie Morton and Huascar Inoa, no earned runs allowed by any pitcher who made an appearance. None. And in total against Milwaukee, over the four games, six runs allowed. Six runs. That is incredible. That's that's world championship style pitching right there if you're only giving up that much. Now, granted, Milwaukee isn't a high-powered offense, a high-powered lineup, but the fact that you can only give up that much in a four-game span in the postseason, props to them, props to the Atlanta Braves. And I think timely hitting did help as well. I mean, Freddie Freeman with that go-ahead homer in the eighth inning, in game four to clinch it because that lineup wasn't effective as usual I mean you had guys out like Steven Vogt he's not coming back Jorge Soler got put on the COVID list he tested positive before game four and I mean outside of maybe Freeman and Austin Riley and Jock Peterson this lineup didn't really look the same it didn't really look the same and I think that's just the offense you're gonna get that's the kind of lineup you're gonna get with this Braves team 
a lot of inconsistencies. But like I said last week, if Freddie Freeman has the kind of games that he's had in this uh, postseason so far against Milwaukee, this Atlanta team is going to go far. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do against either the Giants rotation or the Dodgers rotation because I think they're both extremely effective. You know, I did pick the Giants just because they I think they have the better pitching staff, but even who, regardless of whoever they go against, I mean, for LA you got Scherzer, uh, Garcia, Urias, excuse me, and Walker Bueller. On the other side for San Fran, you've got Di Sclafani, Gosman, Webb. There's a lot of great pitchers that they have to go against. And I think, you know, I don't think this Atlanta team can sustain the kind of pitching they had just because the offense of the Giants and the Dodgers are totally different from Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee got to the postseason because of their pitching staff. And their offense was still, you know, like I said, outside of Christian Yelich, maybe there wasn't essentially a guy you could really pinpoint and say, that's the guy who's going to carry you out there. But, I mean, props to the Braves, though, for making it this far with the kind of pitching that they have. And we'll make a prediction on the NLCS once we get a little deeper in, once we figure out who is going to take them on. Because every series has gone four games except for this one, Dodgers and Giants. I think looking ahead to that game, it's going to be so crucial who gets the lead first. I think whoever scores that first run is going to win that series. Because I think... The Dodgers able to make that rally, but it's just been so close. Like it's it's been a real pitching standoff essentially. I mean, there was the game one nothing. You know, offense has been very limited. And like I said last week about Max Muncie being effective for the Dodgers lineup not being in that lineup, I think that's so crucial, and that's why the Dodgers are struggling offensively. They've still got great guys, but. That lineup runs through Max Muncie, and if they can give Scherzer some run support, then they can go far away, but I'm still going to ride with the Giants. You know, I'm not going to stray away from my pick last week. I think it's going to be the Giants and the Braves in the NLCS, but we'll see what happens there. We already know in the other league, the series that's going down, the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series, the second time in, I believe, three years these two teams have met the championship series. Remember 2018, both teams won over 100 games and they met. Red Sox won that one in five. But these are two totally different teams from three years ago, okay? I'm amazed, and we'll talk about this more during our Let's Get Local segment, but I'm amazed at what the Red Sox were able to do against a Tampa team that almost looked unstoppable the way their lineup and their rotation looked like. Just that offense was a total powerhouse. And meanwhile, for Houston, I did think the Astros would beat the White Sox. And it was kind of in an unconventional way that I thought. I definitely thought it was going to be more of the offense taking over for Houston. But their pitching was great so far. And I think the key to this series is going to be which team's pitching staff is going to control their offense. Because the Red Sox, extremely hot. I mean, 11 home runs so far in the playoffs. And the Houston Astros putting up 10 in that clinching game against Chicago. I think in the pitching staff, you know, just to nitpick it a little bit, Houston needs to avoid giving up that long ball to the Red Sox, okay? Because, like I said, 11 home runs so far for the Red Sox. 
And meanwhile, on the other side, they've got to hit some of their own when you look at it from a lineup perspective. I mean, they were ninth in the regular season with 221 home runs, but so far in their four games against the White Sox, only four, four home runs. So you got to see guys like Altuve get into it, Kyle Tucker get into it, Yuli Gurriel had like a 176 ER uh, batting average. You got to think he's going to do much better than that. You got to think he's going to do better than that. But back to the pitching. I think Lance McCullers Jr. has to continue being that ace. He's got to be the ace, but he needs other starters to help him out. Because when you look at Framber Valdez and Luis Garcia, respectively, they have an 8-3-1 and 16-8-8 ERA in this uh, postseason so far. I think the bullpens are going to be tested because we saw in the Tampa series against the Red Sox that... Even, even in the wild card game against the Yankees for the Red Sox, if they jump on the starter early on, then it's going to be a wrap. So it's how long are those starters going to be able to go? You know, starting with McCullers and then on the other side, Nate Evaldi, if he continues to go a long way and continues to be that ace. It's going to be, you know, you have McCullers, you have Evaldi, but it's these other guys, Valdez and Garcia for Houston, for the Red Sox, it's... Chris Sale, is he going to perform better? Eduardo Rodriguez, is he going to control the runs early on? That's going to be the biggest question because in the postseason, you have a very, very short leash. I mean, Erod didn't even go two innings, I think, in a game against Tampa. So that's going to be the, the big keys, jumping out to the lead early on, getting on these starters. And again, these bullpens are going to be tested and everyone's going to have to contribute. For Houston, it's got to be more than Kendall Graveman and Matten and Stanek and Presley. You know, everyone's going to have to do their part. On the Red Sox side of things, you know Whitlock is great. You know uh, Taylor has been great. But what about these other guys, you know, where you really had questions of? Adam Ottavino, Matt Barnes, Hansel Robles, Austin Davis, all of those guys. Because you're not going to go to Nick Pavetta every single time. Let's just keep that in mind. Pavetta had a great game against Tampa. But you're not going to go to him every single time. That's why I think this bullpen, that's going to be the ultimate key. The ultimate key, not just about the pitching, but about the bullpen. Which bullpen can hold on the longest? Which team can hold on the longest in terms of keeping the game at least in check or shutting them down? I think... You know, my heart wants me, my heart's telling me, you know, pick the Red Sox. They've got this underdog mentality. The offense looks great. It's hard to say. I think this does go six or seven games. I feel like it. But I just think, I don't know. Houston, Houston looks great. Houston definitely looks great. It's so hard to pick. I'm literally thinking about it right now. I think I'm going to go with the Red Sox. You know, I think they have that underdog mentality similar to 2003 and 2004 where everyone was kind of doubting him, stuff like that. I think I wouldn't be surprised at either result, but I think as a fan, I would love to see the Red Sox back in the World Series, especially after all the turmoil they went through with Alex Cora, Mookie Betts, all that kind of stuff. But it's a good thing the MLB has a postseason because the entertainment factor is going to get kicked up to 150.
next, we got our NFL segment, and we got a couple of guests here joining us for that. They are the co-hosts of the Right Off the Bus podcast. They were glad to have me on as a guest, so I feel like I should return the favor. Pat Mahoney, Chandler Hutchison joined the show. Guys, thanks for taking the time and uh, recording this little snippet for us. Absolutely. We appreciate it, Joe. Thanks for having us on. Joe, feeling blessed and highly favored to be here right now, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm looking forward to getting into it, getting in after it, man. All right. So you guys just released a new episode uh, just today for those that can check it out. You can check it out on all platforms. Chandler, give us a little overview of Right Off the Bus, uh, what the podcast entails. Well, Joe, you know, you're a Westfield State alum, as Pat and I are. And Pat and I had a little radio show at Westfield at WSKB. And during COVID, we were like, man, we just got to get this thing going again. We got to get it moving. Let's do a podcast. So we dove in and we came up with right off the bus, man. We do our best to keep the show moving. No politics, no BS. We just talk <laughs> sports, man. And we get a little goofy. We do some weird animal fights sometimes, but it's just all about having fun talking sports with a buddy. And, uh, you know, we try to keep the show moving, keep it flowing. And we, uh, we think people like listening to it so far. And we have, uh, we have some cool guests. You know, we've interviewed some great journalists. We've interviewed some great athletes. We just released episode 42. We're right around the same mark as you, Joe. We call that our Pat Ricard episode. He was one of our favorite guests. So uh, everyone check out that episode. But that's what the pod's all about, man. You know, just just sports. That was great. That was yeah, great, definitely. Chandler. I don't even need to add. I don't even need to add to it. So was, I know. I was, was going to ask. Awesome. It feels like there's nothing else, Pat, you have to say. No, I'm, ju I'm just there. <laughs> I'm part of it. You know. You're there to throw in your two cents. Yeah. So uh, one of your segments on right off the bus is our NFL Pick'em. We talk about NFL. You guys are bringing the basketball, I know, from being at the time at Westfield State. You also take a lot of listener questions, which I will not toot my own horn and probably <laughs> the best at it. I know you guys have said it yourself. Pat, maybe outside of myself like what what are you looking for in a good listener question i feel like our friend brett usually has or a good listener and good friend brett usually has some good ones i don't know i think i like the animal matchups but he's usually got some creative ones too like what was the uh what was the one he did this week chandler just just had a nice wolverine and uh that, and <laughs> yeah so the animal it? matchups are good Oh, but he also asked, like, is Rafi Devers the best recent um, Boston yes. athlete? You know, where does he rank in that? Is Kike Hernandez having a David Ortiz-esque run? So we like getting the questions that we don't talk about during the show. You know, we, we don't want to get what's up with John Gruden because we cover that in headlines, things like that, you know? Yeah, obviously, you don't want the questions that you're already asking about. Right. But I know you guys love the NFL, so I thought let's get it started right then and there. I told you guys, or I asked you one game that you wanted to talk about, and I know you guys were very eager on it. Pat, I'll start with you. What's the one game <laughs> yeah. from week five that you want to talk about? And I have a feeling I know where you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, we know, we know. Well, I feel like most people that, you know, aren't just Ravens fans would be talking about this game too, but just because I am a Ravens fan, if anyone listens to the pod. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was an awesome game. And I was telling Chandler, you know, they played, I think, three primetime games in their first five matchups, the Ravens. So working and usually it's either Thursday, Sunday or Monday night. I'm usually going to bed at halftime. So against the Colts, I was feeling pretty miserable about it because we were it was looking bleak. I mean, we only had a few points at halftime. The Colts just it wasn't even a matter of the Colts looking that great. The Ravens just looked terrible. So I went to bed. I was feeling bad about it. But then, you know, I wake up and. Not only did Lamar win me my week in fantasy, then I see that the Ravens won too. And I couldn't believe it that it was 31 25, too, because I think it was seven to three at halftime. 
And then I went over these uh, these statistics just because of Lamar's performance on our own podcast, but it, contributing to the 31-25 win in OT, Lamar set the NFL record for completion percentage in both a 400-yard passing game and a 40-attempt passing game with 86%. He was the first QB in NFL history to complete 85% of passes in a 400-yard game. And then the last one I'll say is the franchise record for passing yards, which was 442. And the Ravens haven't been around that long. And, you know, the stiff competition was really Joe Flacco, which it kind of surprised me that Flacco never <laughs> threw for that many yards. But Lamar's performance was uh, was the talking point of that game for sure. Absolutely. I agree. I'm in the same line as you. I was down in my fantasy game. I was down, <laughs> yeah. I was down by like 40 points and Lamar puts up 50 and <laughs> I end up winning by 11. So I'm in the same boat as you, Pat. I agree that the passing was more shocking to me to see Lamar yeah. do this. Um, Chandler, maybe as a neutral fans perspective, watching this game on Monday night, what was your biggest takeaway, uh, with this performance, this huge comeback from Baltimore? I mean, to me, it just says that the Ravens continue to win hard games. And I feel like that's something that they've struggled with at times, especially when you look to the playoffs, but they got the monkey off their back against the chiefs. They win a really hard fought game against the Colts who may not be the best competition, but are getting better. But like Pat said, it's about Lamar Jackson. He had his best passing game of all time. If I'm not wrong, I think he had two career or three career 300-yard passing games, and he just threw 442. I mean, they were barely running the ball. They had 80 rush yards as a team. And for me, Lamar Jackson, if the, week, if the season ended today, Lamar Jackson's the MVP of the NFL. I mean, take him off that Ravens team, and it's looking kind of bleak in both the passing game and the running game. But – guess what? You have a former MVP. You have an all-world quarterback. So to me, my biggest takeaway is they can win tough games. And Lamar Jackson is in that top couple quarterbacks in the league. He's that good and he's proved it. Let me ask you this, Chandler, because the Ravens dropped that opening game in overtime, a lot of people were saying, oh, all these injuries are catching up to them. But now they're sort of back on track. They've won four straight. Do you think, in your personal opinion, they're the top team in the AFC? I don't. I don't. But I think they're top three. I'd have them at number three right now. I would only put the Bills and the Chargers above them, and those are pretty close. And we all, we may also get to see in week six Chargers-Ravens, so they may yeah. be able to take that next step up. Yeah, a little predecessor. Pat, defend your team. Why are they the best team in the AFC? <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, after game one, like you said, I wouldn't have thought that. I was really nervous for this season because of all the injuries, and, and then we ended up losing Ronnie Stanley a little bit too. So it just got even worse after the Marcus Peters injury and everything else. But since then, I mean, we've gutted out those four victories. I was feeling terrible at halftime with the Ravens Colts game. But once I woke up and saw them come back, I was kind of like, this team's for real. Like Lamar, like he, uh, they won the coin toss and he's on the sideline. He said, it's over. And that's just the kind of mentality I love. And I feel like he has, he, I don't know. He has the heart of the, uh, the heart of a lion and compared to any other QB in the AFC North, definitely big Ben, Joe Burrow, Baker, he's playing better than them. And I do agree with Chandler that they are top three. I would put them above the chargers right now, but I would not put them above the bills just because of the way they've looked and what they just did to the chiefs winning 38 to 20. I think also the key is having a great head coach and quarterback relationship. Mm. We could argue that those two Jackson and Harbaugh might have the best yeah. relationship and a little magic from a uh, little magic from Justin Tucker as well. Exactly. <laughs> you got the record breaker uh, with Justin Tucker, but yeah, I totally did a 180 on this team. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what the Ravens do the <laughs> rest you. of the year. Uh, Chandler, let's talk about your game. What is the one game from week five you wanted to bring up on this show? 
Well, Joe, let's talk about you doing a 180 because I want to know how you feel about these Los Angeles Chargers, okay? <laughs> because these Chargers, though they're at home, their home games don't feel like home games. So they're at home at SoFi Stadium. They score 47 points against these Cleveland Browns. And I get it. The defense didn't look great. You allow 42 points. But to me, it's Justin Herbert, you know, beating this Browns team and just taking that next step as a quarterback. It feels like every single week, five total touchdowns, over 420 total yards from Herbert, zero interceptions. I said it to Pat on our podcast this week. I think if you switch the quarterbacks in that game, the Browns win, right? Justin Herbert right now is an A-plus quarterback, and Baker Mayfield, to me, is a B-plus quarterback. And that, to me, was the difference in this game. It was such an exciting game. And, I mean, for me, it's all about Justin Herbert and what he's doing on offense. Keenan Allen looks amazing. Mike Williams looks amazing. The rest of the offense is filling in, Eckler and the rest of the guys. That was the that was the best game for me this week. Uh, watching those Chargers, I'm I'm really falling for this Chargers team right now. I'm falling hard for them, Joe. I will say I was probably wrong <laughs> on the Chargers. I think they're probably going to get more than six wins. I would say. <laughs> I think I just hold out, you know, really slightly. Like I'm almost there. I'm like on the good, not great side, just because mm. it's still early on in the year. It's only five weeks into the year. You're going to play the Chiefs again. You're going to play the Raiders. I know they're in a mess. You're going to play Denver. And, you know, Herbert has gone a great five games, but can he sustain it the rest of the way? But you are absolutely right that I was dead wrong <laughs> on the L.A. Chargers, and I agree that that was the best game. Um, Pat, Chandler said that Lamar Jackson was his MVP. A lot of people are saying Herbert should be the MVP. Are you on that side that Justin Herbert should be the early MVP? Yeah, and that's the tough thing. Like, Lamar's just playing so incredible. And the, the crazy thing about Lamar is that he's not even doing it as much on the feet. You mentioned it before. It's the passing game that's working, especially in the game against the Colts. I, I think just for that reason, the fact that he showed us that, and I know the, char the Chargers, the big thing is that they're going against expectations. Like, people were unsure about them. So what Herbert's been able to do is very exciting, but I still would give the edge to Lamar and it is slight. I mean, for me, it's the top three candidates are, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Lamar Jackson, which was the top three that Chandler mentioned. So it's very close, but I would probably give Lamar the edge. And in a close fourth, Kyler Murray. But we'll get into that yes. a little bit later. Um, Chandler, I do want to argue this point you said about Baker Mayfield being a B-plus guy. They put up 42 points, and Baker Mayfield's got a bad shoulder, a depleted offense aside of his two running backs. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom for Cleveland. Do you? Do you think they can bounce back? I don't think it's doom and gloom by any means. I think being a B plus quarterback is better than most quarterbacks in the NFL. And you can win with a guy that's top 12 to 14 in the league. But I think that the Super Bowl winning teams are when you get into that top six or seven quarterbacks in the league. And I just don't feel like Baker can crack that, you know, top echelon. And don't get me wrong. He's fantastic. Let's look at the history of the Browns real quick. Okay. They were terrible. And I mean, <laughs> Horrible for what 20 straight years? Stefanski and Baker together have turned this team around. He is, as far as I'm concerned, as good of a quarterback as they've ever had. So I love Baker, and it's not that it's not a bad thing to be a top 12, 14 in the world at your profession. So I, I don't get into the oh, he can't do this, he can't do that. Baker's pretty damn good, but he's just not gonna reach that top echelon. The Browns are gonna have a great season. They they're gonna be close to winning their division. I think the Ravens still do it, but Baker's just not that guy that's going to get you to the promised land if the defense isn't clicking and if every single weapon on offense isn't clicking. 
he kind of reminds me of a slightly better Mark Sanchez. If you remember from about 10, 12 years ago, the Jets made two straight AFC champ- mm-hmm. AFC uh, championship wow. games. Yeah, I do like I that feel like reference. That, well, yeah. I feel like that's harsh. I feel like that's <laughs> no, I said, I said a better Mark Sanchez. Okay? <laughs> San- that's Sanchez a low had, bar, though. Sanchez had like seven good seasons, okay? But what, I'm, right. saying, what I'm saying is in the time frame of Sanchez taking him to the AFC championship game, he relied on all of his weapons on the outside. Baker's doing the same thing, but he's much better than Sanchez. I'll get that out right there. I'm talking about <laughs> situationally. It's similar to when Mark Sanchez took the Jets to the AFC championship. <laughs> all, right. all right. So I'll take don't that. get me on the comments on that one. Um, I got to bring up the game that I mentioned. I feel like it was the one of the games of the week. Bill's at Chiefs, man. I got to talk about this Chiefs team. They do not look like a Super Bowl team. They just don't. I don't even think they could get to the conference championship if they don't write the ship because their defense is so bad. And Patrick Mahomes is turning over the ball, uh, turning over the ball so much. Pat, what are your thoughts on the Chiefs to start out? Are they sort of falling off a cliff or can they write the ship? Yeah, the big thing, and I'll steal from Chandler a little bit. We had talked about it. The defense was giving up, what was it, 7.1 points? Was it per possession? Is that 7.1 yards per play? Seven. Oh, sorry about every yeah. single play. The, the Chiefs the defense stand. is giving up 7.1 yards. Yeah, and they're the second worst team in yards allowed and in. Uh, turnover differential so that's the key but back to pat do you think they can write the ship i think they can because i think if there's anyone that can it's patrick mahomes and i think they would i think him and andy reed could game plan something to figure it out because yes he is turning the ball over but i i feel like if that changes all of a sudden i, I know the defense is never going to play great and they did just lose joe thuny but uh if if Mahomes, if anyone could do it, it's Mahomes. And I do think, I, I don't know if they'll make the Super Bowl this year, but I certainly think they could make the, the conference championship game. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes was me and Chandler's MVP when I joined yeah. right off the bus. So we got to keep hope alive. Chandler, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a running game now anymore. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the IR. Is it all going to be on Mahomes to sort of turn this thing around or does Andy Reid need to get a couple more weapons? It is all on Patrick Mahomes, and it should be. Patrick Mahomes is the half-a-billion-dollar man. When Russell Wilson just went down for the Seahawks, I said, all right, season's over. And (laughs) Russell Wilson, to me, is the epitome of team on my back. Pat Mahomes needs to put this team on his back. He needs to convert those third downs. He needs to throw 400 yards and five touchdowns. He needs to be the best player on the field for both teams, and it needs to not be close because that's how good Patrick Mahomes can be. So yes, Andy Reid could go get some guys, but guess what? You still have Tyree kill. I know Kelsey's in and out. You signed Josh Gordon Hardman's there. Like you have options and you have Patrick Mahomes. He is the anointed one. He's the chosen one. Like he needs to do it. If he wants to hold that mantle, I don't want to see another baby goat, you know, picture ever again with Patrick Mahomes. If we don't think that he can go win some games by himself, he has to do it. Lamar Jackson can do it. Pat Mahomes can do it. Yeah. I think also the, it was funny what seeing on Facebook, there's a little meme about like, you know, the older guy and they're leading the young guys. And then there's Herbert, a Herbert Jersey, a car Jersey, a Bridgewater Jersey. They're leading Mahomes. Who's like, old (laughs) I don't think that's the case at all. I think, you know, it has been a rough schedule. Let's keep that in mind. They played the Ravens Mm -hmm. in Baltimore and they just played uh, the Bills. And I credit, granted, it was at home, but they still scored 20 points. So I don't think the offense is the problem. But let's shift to Buffalo because a lot of people are saying after this game, the Bills are the best team in the AFC. 
I, for one, agree with that, the way that this offense is clicking, the way their defense has really stepped up in this season. Chandler, do you think the Bills are the best team in the AFC? And give me your reasons for it. Um, it's hard for me to say they're the best. Um, they definitely are in that top one, two, three. And you know what? Whatever. I'll just say they're the best team in the AFC because their point differential has been astounding since that bad week one loss against Pittsburgh. It was a bad week one loss. Pittsburgh's as inconsistent as they come. They had a great game. But the Bills have scored about 160 points in their last four games, and they have allowed 41 points. They are outscoring their opponents 39 to 10 in their last four games. It's complete, utter domination on both sides of the ball. And with how that defense has looked, I will say the Bills are the best team in the AFC right now. I mean, they are just clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, it's definitely hard to argue. Pat, do you think the Bills can sustain this kind of success or do they maybe go through a rough patch and maybe fall out of that top tier echelon? I don't see any reason why why they would stumble. I mean, I, I thought at the beginning they didn't, I, I don't know, the whole question marks with Cole Beasley, it seemed like it was all on Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, but they found Dawson Knox. The defense has been great. So I just think everything's coming together for them. And I think they're going to make a great run this season. I just, I don't see them stumbling, maybe a game here or there, but overall, definitely not. Yeah, I'll definitely be curious to see what the Bills do. And now I hate to have you guys do this again, but it is time <laughs> once again for our NFL segment known as Pick'em. So last week we had Johnny Mansaridis, our very first guest. He went 13 and three, and that's a good stand. Ooh, that's, that, yeah. that's a really good standard. I don't know if you guys are going to match up with it. I mean, granted, <laughs> you do have uh, two less games. You got the Falcons, the Saints, the Jets, and the Niners on buys but we're going by win percentage here on the stand uh standings for here so let's get it started obviously with the thursday night game bucks at eagles tampa riding the ship sort of getting back to that offensive standpoint but here they come into eagles which i think is an underrated team chandler i'll start with you bucks at eagles who you got bucks by a million i have no faith in the eagles i really don't i i keep saying it to pat pat likes them a little bit more than i do and it's not his fault he has a family connection there yeah give me give me tampa bay all day tom brady at age 44 just threw 400 yards five touchdowns and no picks i mean he's he's ageless give me the bucks yeah first time he did that in his career imagining it didn't do that at new england uh pat it sounds like you're on the same boat with tampa would you agree yeah, I'll definitely be on the same boat. I do like that you said you think the Eagles are underrated, though, because I really do. They they haven't shown what I think they're capable of, but I think they're definitely underrated. But this regardless, could, uh, I will still go with the Bucs, even though they're in Philly. Yeah, this could be a sneaky close game. I think the Eagles offense is underrated, but just defensively, they have a hard time stopping yeah. people. So that's why I'll go with the both of you and go with Tampa. Now we get into the Sunday games, and the really early game is another stinker, I'd say, at London, Miami at jacksonville two really really bad teams miami one and four jacksonville oh and five pat i'll start with you in the battle of the worst who wins (laughs) and it's funny that they've just sent they sent the jets and falcons to london and now they're sending the dolphins and the jaguars to london which is just crazy to me they gave us the beatles can't we give them like mahomes or jack lamar or something we're trying we're trying to get them into the sport but we're not really showing it but I, uh, I will go with the Dolphins. I had a lot of faith in the Dolphins coming into this season, and they've really let me down. But I just still think they'll get it. I, I still think they'll get it done against the Jaguars. I mean, Urban Meyer has lost the locker room there, and they haven't shown any reason that they'll beat any team. So, Yeah, Tua also came back to practice, so there's a chance that he could play. Chandler, do you agree with Pat? Are you on the Dolphins? 
I'm not. I'm going Jacksonville here. And uh, fun fact about London games, um, two teams with winning records have never played in London. So the NFL is just terrible at getting good teams <laughs> over there. It's an absolute joke trying to expand the sport this way. I'm going Jacksonville. Miami hasn't shown much. They've lost four in a row. I know the last game was to the Bucks, but they really should be 0-5 if Damian Harris doesn't fumble on the seven-yard line in week one for the Patriots. There's no reason for me to pick Jacksonville, but they've scored a decent amount of points in some of these games. London is such an offsetter. I mean, I, you know, there's really no home field advantage here for Miami, so I'm going to go with Jacksonville. It's really, it feels like they're getting closer and closer, Jacksonville is, and Trevor Lawrence just keeps making strides. I do think because Tua is back, I might be back. That gives them the edge. I think on offense, they're much more powerful. So I am on team pack going with the Dolphins. But out of the stinker games, we get the really good games. Green Bay at Chicago, a good little NFC North. Believe it or not, with all the controversy with Justin Fields and stuff like that, they're three and two. And here come the Packers at four and one. This could be a real decisive game. Jaylor in the battle of the NFC North, who you got? I'm going with the pack. I'm going with the mangy, long-haired Aaron Rodgers to continue winning. I mean, make it five in a row for Aaron Rodgers after that dismal week one. Justin Fields has won two games in a row, his two starts. Matt Nagy decided he wanted to keep his job. I do like that. But I think the Packers have too much. I know it was a close game with the Bengals, which are a very underrated team. But give, give me the packs in this game. I'm going with the pack in Chicago. They did beat the Raiders last week, so that could be a little momentum. Pat, are you on the side of the Bears or the Packers? I did say to Chandler, I was I couldn't even believe I was reading the record and said that the Bears were three and two. <laughs> I really couldn't believe it. But they do rely on their defense heavily, and I think that's going to get them through a lot of wins. But I don't think it's going to get it done against the Packers. I think they do have too much, like Chandler said. They'll have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon going in the backfield. And I, I, just, I know the Bears have a good run defense, but – I think the Packers will still get it done. You also got to remember Green Bay added Jalen Smith. So mm-hmm. that defense just gets a little bit better. I'll, I'll ride with you guys. I'll go with the Packers. Now we go to Cincinnati and Detroit. And this to me feels more about Detroit because they came so close against Minnesota last week. You saw Dan Campbell at the presser literally in tears about this team wanting that first win so bad. So Pat, do you think it's maybe an inspiration from last week? Do they upset the three and two Bengals? I keep wanting to pick the lions. <laughs> I, I really do, but I don't know, even though they're coming, they're coming from that heartbreaker. So it's going to do one of two things. It's really going to sink the ship or it's going to make them rise above and want to play harder to get the first win on the record. But against the Bengals who are making strides of their own, Jamar chase looks fantastic. Joe Burrow looks great. The defense even looks pretty decent. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Bengals in this one. Yeah. I think just the offensive line is something that they got to clean up and the Bengals Believe it or not, three and two, that's a really competitive division there in the AFC North. Yeah. I mean, Browns are Ravens stumble. Bengals are going to be right there. And then obviously the Steelers are shadowing right behind them. Chandler, are you smelling a Lions victory? No, absolutely not. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately for Dan Campbell, close wins mean nothing. And um, I love the speech after the game. I even shared it on my story. You can tell how much this man loves his team, but love for your team does not win football games. What does is an elite young quarterback wide receiver duo like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. It's more explosive than anything that the Lions have going. And completely selfishly, I need Jamar Chase to continue putting up the points on my fantasy team. So I got to rock with the Bengals here. (laughs) That's Of course you got to root for that, obviously. 
I think this is going to be an upset. I think the Lions at home after that game, I'm going to call it. The Lions win their first game against the Cincinnati Bengals. This Bengals team is just too inconsistent right now. Still at three and two. There's a lot of games they probably could have dropped. I mean, they could have beat Green Bay last week if McPherson actually believed that his field goal went through, which it didn't. (laughs) So I'm going to go with the upset. I'll go with the Lions. I'll contrast you both. And we'll see what happens when we get to Sunday. Next up, Houston and Indianapolis, another stinker, battle of one and fours. Houston played New England tight, and the Colts played the Ravens tight. So who knows if there's any kind of momentum from that. Chandler, what do you say about Texans-Colts? I'm going to go with uh, Carson Wentz and the Colts here. They did look pretty darn good against Baltimore. And yes, I understand that the Texans look good, but if you genuinely believe that Davis Mills is going to come out and score two touchdowns, on his first two drives in two straight games. I don't buy into it. If if Houston had their first string quarterback or their second string quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, I would pick them to win this game. But I don't trust Davis Mills. I don't think that they have enough. I'm going to go with the Colts to, uh, to take the win in the division here. I think also Carson Wentz has been able to stay on his feet. That really yes. helps. Pat, are you leaning the other side or do you agree about the Colts? Uh, I, I will take the Colts. I tell you, what, I gained, I did gain a lot of respect for both teams. The Texans did play well against after getting blown out against uh, the bills. They did play well against the Patriots, but I gained way more respect for the Colts for playing well against my Ravens. I mean, they really should have won Rodrigo Blankenship missed that last second field goal, but we got it done. And, uh, good news for the Colts. They're getting T Y Hilton back pretty soon. I don't know if he'll be available this week, but Michael Pittman looks great at wide out and uh, Carson Wentz looked pretty good against the Ravens as well. So I'm going to go with the Colts. I think that offense does get better. As you mentioned with T Y Hilton. And I think Wentz getting adjusted to that system at Indy after his whole career in Philly, I'm going to go with the Colts on that one. Now we go Rams and giants. And honestly, this feels like an easy pick because let's just name a couple of the players. The giants don't have Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay. That's their top three players on their roster. And then here come the four and one. Los Angeles Rams. Pat, is it even going to be close? It really shouldn't be. I mean, the way the Rams have looked, their only loss was to the Cardinals. And I just can't imagine. Maybe I would have given the Giants a fighting chance if they had those guys, but no Saquon, no Galladay, no Daniel Jones, as inconsistent as he is. I just, I can't see the Giants doing anything. Yeah, I think those injuries debilitated them. I think just the question for you, Chandler, is how close can the Giants make it? I mean, how close could a JV team make it against a varsity team, Joe? I mean, it's not, it's not going to be pretty. For me, this game is somewhere around 31 or 34 to 10. I don't see the Giants getting much done. Who is it Mike Glennon at quarterback? For the Mike Giants? Glennon. Mike wow. Glennon. No, give me, give me Matt Stafford and the best receiver in football, Cooper Cup. Give me the Rams. <laughs> I know definitely with the Giants it's almost like who he played for but yeah I agree this is going to be a blowout and 10's kind of generous if you ask me Chandler yeah I, mean, no. I would have spotted them like six or something that implies like that. a touchdown that's my bad yeah <laughs> so let's go to Chiefs at Washington and this is going to be a really good one two and three both teams had high expectations they faltered a little bit Chandler we talked about the Chiefs riding the ship do they start with a game in Washington I think they do. I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. I think, you know, it's one of those offenses and one of those teams where you say, can they be this bad for this long? Like, is is this actually who they are? Because we talk about it so much and we don't believe it. I believe that Pat Mahomes has that team on my back ability. I need him to be like Russell Westbrook and go out and average a triple double for the rest of the year. Like, I just need him to do everything. 
I, I mean, I wish they could put him on defense because their defense looks terrible. But give, give me the Chiefs of Pat Mahomes. I think that he's good enough to be that guy to go win games by himself. Give me the Chiefs. Yeah, I think if it was maybe last year, I would say, wow, this is a really close game because yeah. Washington's defense is so strong. Pat, do, does Washington make it a game or do they even pull the upset? I think they definitely make it a game. I, I feel like they're always a tough out and they're always capable of at least putting up a good fight, especially at home. And I think they are an underrated team. But I, I see the Chiefs riding the ship here and coming off that loss to the Bills. I think Mahomes and Andy Reid and the rest of the guys are going to make some good adjustments, and I think they'll go into Washington and come out with a win. Man, you guys are almost in sync. Only one disagreement, no upsets. I'm, I'm calling the upset. I think Washington pulls <laughs> it out. Washington is due for a good defensive game, and with the Chiefs being as bad as they are for right now, I think it's the perfect time for the football team to get in there. I know they've got a ton of accusations, but it's on the field that counts. Give me the Washington football team. As I we hope move you're on, right, Joe. I, I, hope I would so love too. to I could see definitely, Washington yeah. win this game. I could see it happening. Yeah, same same here. I would love for that to happen. Now we move to Minnesota, Carolina. Minnesota 2-3, and three, Carolina 3-2. and two. The Panthers have not looked the same since losing Christian McCaffrey and their top pick at cornerback. They do get Stephon Gilmore. they got to wait one more week, though, however, to get him on the field. But Chandler, can the Panthers salvage what's been a two-game losing streak after a 3-0 start? I absolutely think they can. We are expecting that Christian McCaffrey plays this week. And again, my fantasy team could really use it, Joe. He can, we could really use it. <laughs> but I, you know, even though they are missing JC Horn and Stephon Gilmore is not on that defense yet, I think this defense is still very good. And I am a noted Kirk Cousins hater. I have absolutely no faith in this guy. And I, I don't like what the Vikings have been doing on offense or defense yet this year. I think they're underperforming a little bit. So I'm going to go with the team that I think is overperforming, and I'm going to take the Panthers in this game. Yeah, I remember my appearance. You totally barked at me when I said Minnesota could contend. But <laughs> and I that... still feel that way, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> There's still a long season to go. I, Pat, okay. back me up. Is Minnesota going to take this? I think they do. I, I took the Vikings on, uh, on our show and I will take the Vikings here again. I'll stay with that choice just because I, well, I've said that with Kirk, I feel like he has a bad week and then he has a really good week, which I, <laughs> he had two really bad weeks in a row. So I definitely think he's going to have a good week and I think they'll go in and I, it'll be an impressive win. I think to beat the Panthers in Carolina, that would be a great win for them. And I think they're definitely going to do it. All right. That's great. I got one supporter, at least riding the Vikings for at least one week. That is so good to hear. But I do agree that Carolina is going to win this game. I think I think they're so much they're so much better. <laughs> I love switched, the Vikings. Yeah, you switched it up. They're going to lose. <laughs> I thought I thought you were riding the Vikings. It's like, it's like one of those curveballs that Lee Corso gives during like college game yeah, day with yeah, the headgear yeah. and all that. But yeah, you're on an island, Pat. I'm going to go with Carolina all on right. this one. Now we get to what I think is going to be the game of the week: Chargers, Ravens, both four and one. Both are top teams in the AFC. Pat, I'll go to you since the Ravens are your team. Are the Ravens going to dock down the Chargers? I, I think they do it. I think playing at M&T Bank is tough for any team, and I think the Ravens just thrive there with their home crowd. I mean, it is it is such a great place to play. The fans are always – from the jump to the right to the finish, it's like when the Sox are at Fenway in the playoffs. It's like it's electric the entire time, and I think they really get a boost from that. And even if they do start slow, I think uh, I think they'll be able to come back like they did against the Colts. Maybe not in as dramatic a fashion, but I think they'll get it done. This almost feels like the biggest test so far. It is in in Herbert's career, or at least in his second season as the Chargers quarterback. Chandler, are you? Do you agree with Pat picking his team, or are you on the other side? 
I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I, I'm absolutely going with the Chargers. I said it a little earlier. I am falling for Justin Herbert, man. I don't know if it's the the lax bro hair or what it is, but I absolutely love this team. I love what they do on both sides of the ball. I love Pat's pick for coach of the year, Brendan Staley, and what he's done with this team. But I, I got to tell you, man, Justin Herbert, he's only had 20 starts in his NFL career, Okay barely over a season and he's dominating. He is in that next wave of great young quarterbacks with Lamar Jackson. And I think when you have a player like Justin Herbert, you can go get it done on the road in a tough game. And like Pat said, there's a lot of primetime games for these Ravens. There's a lot of really hard games for these Ravens. They've already played some great teams. So have the chargers, but I love what the chargers are doing. So I'm going to rock with the chargers here. Yeah. I think, you know, for Herbert, I think, you know, it's different when, in week two, the Chiefs came to L.A. because he was at home. The fact is he's got to go on the road in Baltimore. As Pat can attest, that is a hard place to play at home, especially when it's loud and rocking, loud and rocking for big games like this. So that's why I'm going to agree with Pat. No curveball this time. I'm going to go with the Ravens. <laughs> right. I think I'm going to take him in this one. I just think Lamar's on a roll. I mean, he's probably performing better, if not equal to Herbert, and I think he just continues that. But it's going to be a run game. I think that is going to be the difference maker. It's him with his feet. That's going to be the big difference. So I will go with the Ravens on that one. And then as we move to the four o'clock games, I would say probably the second best game is going to be the five and O Cardinals and the three and two Browns in Cleveland, Arizona, the last unbeaten team Chandler. I feel like these Cardinals are over exceeding, even though I thought this would be a playoff team. Do they continue their undefeated season with a win in Cleveland? Well, you know, it's funny, Joe, I was watching get up this morning and they were saying, imagine if we told you a couple months ago, the chargers would be five and oh and winning their division. And I looked at my girlfriend and I was like, this was me. I picked them to win their division. I said, this offense is one of the best <laughs> in football. So I don't think they're exceeding expectations. I think beating the Rams was a great game. I did pick them in that game to win. They're five and zero for a reason. Kyler Murray has a wealth of options. I mean, it is unbelievable the amount of guys that he can throw and hand the ball off to. And then you look at the other side of the ball and there's playmakers all over. So I'm going with the Cardinals. I, I think this could be a high scoring game, just like that Chargers Browns game was. But I think the Cardinals end up victorious in this game. I think also similar is that Cleveland is at home, similar to Baltimore. That place gets loud. You saw them in week 17 last year against mm -hmm. that Steelers game. Uh, Pat, are you on the same side as Chandler? Are you going with the Cardinals? I will be taking the Browns in this game. I don't think people give Baker enough credit. I think he does have his off days, but when he's on, he's very on. They got the great, the greatest tandem a backfield tandem in the game right now in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And I tell you what, even though it's a struggle at receiver right now for them, it, didn't really matter last week. They put up 40 something points. The whole problem was the defense. And I think that they're going to be able to make adjustments on defense and the offense will still run pretty smoothly. And I think that's going to be the difference. Yeah. This is a tough one for me to decide. I, I just think because Arizona has been so great, all the weapons that they have as Chandler was saying, who would have thought Rondale Moore would be the second receiving option for Kyler Murray. When you have an offense that has D hop and AJ green, and those two running backs, Edmonds and Connor. So that's why I'll go with the Cardinals on this one. I think it's going to be really close. It could come down to a field goal right at the very end. But moving on, we got the uh, Raiders and the Broncos. Obviously, the headlines are all about the Raiders and John Gruden, but they got to continue on the field. Really, ever since the allegations came out, that's when they've sort of fallen apart. 
Pat, I don't know if this continues in the game in Denver. Do you see the Raiders, you know, maybe getting back to what made them 3-0 and to start with? I think it's too much of a distraction. There's too much turmoil in the locker room to move past it, at least this quickly. Maybe later on in the season, they'll be able to make adjustments as games go. But I think for now, it just happened. I just think it's going to be too much. And I, I mean, it's impossible to focus entirely on the, the task at hand when you got this going on. Your head coach is involved in probably one of the biggest scandals in NFL history. So I just, I can't imagine. And on top of that, Although the Broncos have lost two straight, they're a good football team, and I think they'll be able to get it done. I am a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. He's very underrated. People don't take him for granted. Chandler, are you on the same side? Do you think the Raiders' controversy with John Gruden is too much? I don't. Um, I think that they've already lost two in a row. I mean, I think that, you know, they want to be winning games, just like the Broncos, starting off 3-0. and They both lost the last two. But I also think there's something to be said about playing with no expectations. Who expects this team to come out and play well during this controversy and after this controversy? I don't think we have high expectations for what they're going to go do on the field, which is why I think they can play with a lot of freedom. And I said it to Pat this week on our episode as well. I think that there's something with new with a new coach. There's a new coach energy and buzz around a locker room. He's going to be trying to throw in some trick plays. He's going to be trying to throw in his offense, his defense, the way he wants to play football. We may see a different Raiders team this week that there's not a lot of tape on. And for that reason, I'm going to go with the Raiders. New coach juice in that locker room and playing with no expectations. Wow, definitely. I would I would say I was on Vegas. I thought they could go a long way when they started at 3-0, and then this came up, and ever since it's been 0-2. Offense hasn't looked the same. I'm going to go with Denver, though. I think being at home and uh, mile high definitely helps. I think, as I said, Teddy Bridgewater is a great quarterback. He's got great offensive weapons. I know he doesn't have Jerry Judy, but I think Denver is a very underrated team. Don't think they can sustain the success, but I think they're going to be a lot better than people think. And now, Chandler, I go right to you on this one. Cowboys at Patriots. Patriots are your team. They're my team. They let the Texans into the game. The Texans into the game and had to get a field goal with 15 seconds to go to get the to escape, I should say, with a victory. And here comes a red-hot Dallas offense. Is there any chance for New England to upset the Cowboys at home? So here's the deal, Joe. I fully expect the Dallas Cowboys to win this game. They should for every single reason, but I am going to pick the new England Patriots to win. I am not confident in saying this, but I think that you have seen a really good two and three Patriots team so far. We are one play away from beating the dolphins in week one. We are one play away from beating the bucks in week four. I think that it's been some close losses. And if this team can go toe to toe with Tampa Bay, there's no reason they can't go toe-to-toe with Dallas. So I'm picking with my heart over my head here, and I'm going with the New England Patriots. I mean, just the fact they let Houston into the game kind of baffles me on that one, but I'll talk about that after Pat makes his pick. Pat, be the non-homer guy and make this pick. What do you think (laughs) about it? I tell you what, Chandler, it is a good point with how close they made it with Tampa, but I just don't see that. After what I saw in that Texans game, I just, with how good the Cowboys have looked, I don't think they're going to be able to stop them. Like the uh, the Bucks were a little off in that game, and uh, yeah, the te- the Texans looked great. I mean, they made Davis Mills look awesome, like a top. 20 quarterback which he's really not but uh <laughs> maybe um yeah I, I sorry I'm stumbling a little bit I think the Cowboys are gonna get it done 
I think Everything you said up. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I was still I thinking mean, about the Texans, and I was like, we're not talking about the Texans. We're talking about the Pats. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Davis Mills put up like three touchdowns, 200 yards is baffling yeah. to me. I think this is going to be a 40 spot for the Cowboys because, I mean, come Ooh, on. Wow. Is, J- is J.C. Jackson really going to stop Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, all those guys, Ezekiel Elliott? Is anyone on that defense going to be able to stop him? I think not. I think the Cowboys are going to take this one easily. And that's coming from a Patriots fan. I'm with you, Chandler. I want them to win, but you're going heart over head. I'm going head over heart. That's what I got to say on that. You guys are making perfect sense. Like, I can't argue. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're just taking the fans' perspective. I, yeah. I like that. I like that. So then we move on to the Sunday night game. Seahawks and Steelers. Pat, this is a Seattle team. Worst defense in the league in terms of yards allowed, points per game. Now they don't have their quarterback. You guys mentioned it earlier. Geno Smith is making a career Mm -hmm. resurgence at quarterback. But the Steelers have their problems too on offense with a guy who looks very old right now, Ben Roethlisberger. How do you see this game? They do have problems at QB with Big Ben, and I know they did just lose Juju, but honestly, I think that's only going to help with Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. They're only going to get more touches outside and – I think that's only going to benefit them. And I just, Pittsburgh is such a tough place to play. A lot of AFC North stadiums, tough places to play. It's hard for them to play in Pittsburgh. And I just, I don't see how the Seahawks after losing Russell Wilson are going to be able to get it done against them. I know that they have a good offense, but like you said, the defense is severely lacking and the Steelers could be able to put up points against them, but the Steelers have a pretty good defense. I think Wilson is one of those guys, you know, similar to Mahomes and Lamar that you take him out. It's a totally different ball game. Chandler, are you on the same side? Are you going Steelers or Seahawks? Give me a just ancient hurt, terrible Ben Roethlisberger over Geno Smith that hasn't started in five, six years. I'm going with the Steelers without a doubt. You take Russell Wilson off the Seahawks. There's no reason we should be picking them to win games. I mean, Geno is the last rookie quarterback who beat Bill Belichick. You think he can't rediscover that magic? Because Eight years I don't. ago, Joe. <laughs> because yeah, I yeah. don't. You, you got to let me finish. Do you think he can do it? Because I don't. I think Seattle is going to be a mess. I think they are the worst team in that division. And I know it's a competitive division, but between those four, between the Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, and Seahawks, I think Seattle is the worst right now because they don't have a D. It's not the Legion of Boom anymore. And Pittsburgh, I think the offense, you know, they finally found a running attack. Najee Harris finally had a good game. And the defense is getting T.J. Watt back and all their guys back. I do think they got to fix that offensive line, though, to really be contenders in that AFC North. But I will go with the Steelers as well. And then finally, to wrap up the week, Bills at Titans. That's going to be a really good one. Again, it feels like another pick em. Chandler, how do you see this one on Monday night? Do the Bills continue their success, or are the Titans going to win it at home? So I want to pick the Titans, but I, I just logically can't. I mean, when you look at this game, you look at the utter domination that the Bills have been putting on to everybody the last four weeks. Has to be the Bills for me. Pat knows this, Joe, but Mike Vrabel used to be my neighbor. I have a relationship with Mike Vrabel. I absolutely love the guy. I root for him every single week. But unfortunately, I cannot pick Coach Vrabel this week. I got to go with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think, I think you know, that's a great story to have when you have a hall of famer like linebacker patriots hall of fame at least as your neighbor definitely very jealous about that pat (laughs) are you on the other side are you going bills or are you going titans yeah you got to give me bills in prime time even if the titans are Mm. getting julio back josh allen is going to thrive in prime time after what they just did to the chiefs i just don't see how they could 
in a step down in competition, lose against the Titans. Well, it's kind of like an effort mentality. I'll go with the Titans just to just to give <laughs> us just to give mix it up a little bit. But those are our NFL picks. Good luck to both of you. We'll see how it shapes up. Tuesday this is the last episode before the season gets underway you guys must be very excited about the season opener it definitely feels it to me at least it feels like sort of a return to normalcy they didn't have you know some teams didn't have fans until later on but every arena is going to have fans this is going to be a very exciting season and Chandler I'll start with you about title expectations these are really you know everyone's saying oh Nets and Lakers but you know the finals last year was Phoenix and Milwaukee. So I'll pose to you this between the Suns and the Bucks, who is the team most likely to get back to the finals? Bucks 1000%. I, I mean, I think that the Suns are poised to take a little bit of a step back, much like the Utah Jazz. I don't see those being the two top teams in the West. And I got to tell you, I love what Chris Paul did. I love the steps that Devin Booker took forward. But guess what? Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the NBA, not named Kevin Durant and maybe not named LeBron James, but that one's even up for debate. Giannis is that good. People don't like watching him because he doesn't shoot threes and he doesn't have a crazy dribble package. But guess what? Giannis is the MVP. Giannis is the defensive player of the year. Giannis is the reigning NBA championship who puts up a 50 piece in a closeout game of winning four straight on the road, I might add. The Bucs have to have a better chance of getting back to the finals than the Suns for me. I think the contrary, though, to that, just to argue the point, is that the harder conference, obviously, is the West. But in the East, it's almost like Nets and then everyone else. So if they leapfrog the Nets, then they can uh, get back to the finals. Pat, what side are you on? Who's more likely to get back to the finals? I would say the Bucs as well. I think, well, especially if Giannis learned how to shoot free throws in the offseason, he's going to put the entire <laughs> league on notice. But I, they looked so good against the Suns. I mean, really, that whole postseason run. I know they were, you know, uh, whatever it was with Durant, a foot away from – it was actually like half of his half actual – like yeah, Half of his actual shoe uh, away from, you know, that being a much different series. But, hey, it takes a little luck sometime, and the Nets might not, might not even have Kyrie Irving. It really depends if he gets the whole vaccine situation sorted out. But, uh, yeah, out of those two teams, I would definitely say the Bucs. So here's my contrast, and this is why I'm going to go with the Suns. I think, you know, when you look at every team in the West right there, the Clippers aren't going to have Kawhi. The Lakers made a ton of additions. The Jazz, as Chandler said, is going to take a step back. The Nuggets, the Trailblazers, there's a lot of questions. What's certain is the Phoenix Suns. That's what's certain right now. They're bringing almost their entire roster back. Granted, they're not going to have Dario Saric because he tore his ACL during the finals, but you still have, you know, that's why they got JaVale McGee, who probably isn't the sexiest name out there, but he's a Sarge type in that he's a rim protecting center who plays good defense. That's why I think Phoenix is going to more likely, you know, not saying both of them are going to make it, but more likely to me would be Phoenix. But obviously it's not more, it's more than just two teams in the finals. There are a lot of teams who made a lot of uh, offseason additions. Pat, who do you think is the NBA team who's going to take the biggest step forward? 
in an Eastern conference that, Hey, I know it's the weaker conference, but it keeps getting better year by year. We see more talent going there. And I really think the bulls are going to be the team that takes the biggest step. They finished 11th in the East last year in a miserable conference. I think they were 10 or so games under 500, but they're going to be running the lineup of Lonzo ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams at his normal position at the four, and then Nikola Vucevic as well. They got Alex Crusoe coming off the bench. Besides that, the bench isn't that deep, but I think in terms of taking a big step from up from 11th, I definitely see them competing for a four, five, or six spot right there with the Knicks and uh, the, the Knicks and the Heat and the Hawks. Yeah, it was funny, Chandler, when I posed this to you, because I remember a couple episodes ago, uh, when the Bulls made all these offseason acquisitions, you were kind of fighting me saying, you know, I'm on the Bulls. You're not totally a firm believer on uh, Chicago, but I don't know if that's your team who's going to take the biggest step forward. Why don't you tell me who you selected? My my team that's going to take the biggest step forward is without a doubt the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors were the ninth seed in the West. They won the play in <laughs> and they're playing the Jazz. But here's here's the deal, man. Steph Curry, full offseason, right? You get Clay Thompson back finally. He's missed two years. If Clay Thompson's at 80% of what we know Clay Thompson can be, he's a top five shooting guard in the NBA. Wiggins isn't the best, but he's a guy that can average 18 to 20. You draft Jonathan Kuminga, you bring in Otto Porter. Draymond Green's doing his thing. James Wiseman missed the last four games last year. James Wiseman is 7-1 and can jump out of the gym. When you have this team fully loaded, I think they are as good as any team in the league. So I'm going with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I've kind of learned over the years not to doubt Steph Curry. And I think (laughs) I probably would have said no if Andrew Wiggins was still unvaccinated, but he got the vaccine. He's going to be in that lineup. I'm totally on you there. I'm on the Bulls as well. I'm a fan favorite of them. I think they're going to do well. But I'm going to go with the Memphis Grizzlies because, let's face it, they were the eighth seed. They had to go to the play-in, and I'm just a big fan of that team. I think John Morant is definitely going to be an all-star. He might even get into superstar status, and this is only year three Mm -hmm. so far for him. I think John Morant is going to be the next big superstar, maybe even a bigger superstar than Zion, if you ask me. I know he doesn't have the appeal of Zion Williamson, but I think his team is going to do a lot better than the Pelicans. Plus, I love Kyle Anderson. I love Dylan Brooks. I love defensively what they did against Golden State and how they were able to challenge Utah. That's why I think Memphis is going to be a really sneaky team. And also, keep in mind, they traded centers. They don't have Jonas Valanciunas. They brought in Steven Adams. I mean, all reliable is Steven Adams to me. <laughs> I love that guy. That is. I love Steven Adams. He's like, he's just a he's like a big teddy bear. Like you would love to have him on your team. You would hate to go against him. That's why I'm going with Memphis. But on the contrary though, there are a lot of teams I feel like could take a step back. Chandler, who is the one team who you think is going to take the biggest step backwards? I think there's a lot of teams that are going to take a step back this year. And mainly just like record wise, I don't see the jazz and Suns being the top two in the West. I don't see Philly being the top seed in the East. Um, so for me, I'm going to go with Philly here. I don't see Philly finishing number one in the Eastern conference. Quite frankly, I don't see Philly finishing top four in the Eastern conference. You have the Ben Simmons drama. I know he's back with the team and he might be practicing, trying to build that trade value back up, but it seems like this locker room is just so broken. If your all-star point guard, that's making close to 40 million a year, 35 isn't happy. It's a problem. Doc rivers, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. There's just some friction there. So for that reason, I'm going with the Sixers. I think that there's a lot of teams with a lot better chemistry and a chance to surpass what they did last year. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you. The fact that, you know, he's coming back and basically Doc and Embiid said after that game where they got eliminated, I don't know if we can trust Ben Simmons. And now he's back and now they're saying, oh, we love Ben Simmons. We love Ben Simmons. And obviously Simmons came back because of the almighty dollar. Because if he wasn't, Mm -hmm. he was going to lose millions and millions. But I think also from a team perspective, you know, I didn't really get the signing of Andre Drummond. You know, I know he's going to be the backup center, (laughs) but I don't really get it. Plus, when you look at the pass between him and Embiid, I'm not fully sold on that Sixers team. So I agree with you. What about you, Pat? Who do you think is the biggest team to take a step back? So mine will actually be the Suns. And I will start by saying, I don't think they're going to have a bad season by any means. The Western Conference is very competitive. I see them finishing in that six through eight spot, which the six and seven last last season, the Blazers and the Lakers were 42 and 30 in the 72 game season, which is a pretty good, that's a pretty good season by all accounts. So I, I just don't see the Suns making it to where they were last year. That, NBA finalists, number two in the West. I see them slipping to maybe six through eight. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. But for me, they just they they outperformed mine and pretty much everyone's expectations as it was last season. And I just don't see uh, I just don't see them keeping it up. There was some drama with DeAndre Ayton and the payment. So contract extension. Yeah, there's that whole thing going on. I don't think they added anything. CP3 is only getting older, and I just don't see them getting to number two in the NBA Finals. I do like it kind of feels like they peaked and, you know, maybe they not might not be a great team. And as you said, I think they're still a playoff team. I actually did write down the Sixers, but for the sake of disagreement, I'm going to go with the Clippers because Kawhi Leonard is going to miss, you know, who knows how long. And we saw in the playoffs that Paul George can be Paul George. But I mean, in terms of like additions, you know, really only Eric Bledsoe and Justice Winslow, I think were the only additions for the Clippers. Other than that, they kept, they held on to Reggie Jackson they still have Ibaka, Batum. You know, I don't, I don't really see this team going anywhere without Kawhi Leonard on the floor. Once he gets on the floor, then it's a whole different story. But because we don't know how long Kawhi is going to be out, that's why I think the Clippers have a really big asterisk right now. And then right before we get to our title prediction, I want to ask you guys about a dark horse. Maybe someone or a team that no one's really talking about that could really over-exceed and over-achieve. Pat, who do you think that team could be there? It feels like there's a lot of them out there. Yeah, there are a lot. And I'm trying to think if it would be East or West right now. I feel like, and you said it, you said taking the biggest step forward. And I also, I just feel like there's no expectations right now, or at least not high expectations for, you know, finishing very high in their standings, but the Grizzlies for me, I like all the reasons you said, I think they have everything going for them right now. I like, like you said, what they did defensively in that series. And I think their defense will continue to be solid. John Morant's going to flourish. And I think potentially uh, they could be a dark horse to at least make into the playoffs and then maybe win a series or two. Yeah, kind of like a playoff spoiler, maybe is a, yeah. a good is a good way to put the Grizzlies. Good, uh, you know, they'd term. be they'd be a really good spoiler. Chandler, what about you? Who do you think is the dark horse in the NBA? So dark horse, like you said, to be a spoiler, not a contender, because I don't think they'll be a contender. But a dark horse for me, I think, is one of the most talented collections of players that just habitually underperform, and that's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Ooh. There is new ownership, so you know something could be switched up there, but. You know, Carl Anthony Towns is 25 and 12 every day of the week, man. D'Angelo Russell is a 6'5 guard who has a clutch gene and is a gifted passer. Anthony in a couple years. Malik Beasley can score 18 a game. I love the collection of talent that they have there. I don't know why they can't put it together. I know Cat's soft 
it's it's good for him that it's a softer league but he had what 10 members of his family pass away because of COVID last year something just unbelievable prayers out to him but I think there's less distractions this year I think there's less heartache on that team and you bring in an absolute dog like Pat Beverly to start getting into their faces a little bit like you know Jimmy Butler used to I like I like the Timberwolves as a team that's going to be a dark horse this year I think they probably won't be at the cellar. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, um, but just, you know, it, I feel bad for Cat, as you said, you know, all the family drama also stuck in Minnesota who hasn't had success since the Kevin Garnett days, you know, they had one good year, but Jimmy Butler, 86, that um, I, I had to do a coin toss on this one between the Celtics and the Mavericks. Cause I think they're both going to be really good this year, a lot better than people think. And this is just me putting my Homer hat on. I think the Celtics got better. They've got a new culture with Ime Udoka as head coach. They brought in a bunch of new pieces, guys who just play basketball. Josh mm. Richardson, Juancho Hernan Gomez. Uh, just trying to think of the other ones. Yo, Schroeder. Jen, Dennis Schroeder, of course, on the discount, on the biggest discount in the entire league right now. They've got just guys who are dogs and want to play. Plus Al Horford coming back, changing that locker room. I think the Celtics are going to be a really big dark horse. But to finish our NBA segment, we got to do it. We got to predict the NBA championship before the first game even starts, when preseason's coming to an end. I want to hear those finals predictions. Chandler, who is going to be in the NBA finals? Joe, it's going to be the Golden State Warriors versus the Brooklyn Nets. I think the Warriors are that good. I think their depth is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, they're going to have Andre Ugudala and Otto Porter coming off the bench at wing positions in an offense that is just so positionless. And obviously I see the Nets coming out of the East, even if they don't have Kyrie Irving, James Harden and Kevin Durant is the best one, two in basketball. And like we said, I give all the credit in the world to the Bucks, but you are a toe length away from the Nets being in the championship and Kevin Durant winning it by himself without James Harden and without Kyrie Irving. And you add LaMarcus Aldridge, you add Paul Millsap, you add Patty Mills. Let's not act like the Nets are lacking because they don't have Kyrie Irving. I'm going Warriors Nets. That is definitely coming out of the West. It almost feels like a, a pick them, essentially. You know what you're getting in the East, but you don't know what you're getting in the West. It feels like there could be like four or five teams you could pick. Pat, what about your finals prediction? Who do you have in the NBA finals? It's funny because I want to go Lakers Nets again, but I did that last <laughs> year and it just turned out so much different than granted. Probably anyone thought, I mean, you didn't even know were... James Harden was going to be on the team and you picked him. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I, I think uh, to be different here, I will go with the Bucks from the East. I think for how they looked last year, I don't see any reason they can't do it again. I think Giannis, mm -hmm. if anything, is just going to take a step forward. And like I said, if he could shoot a little better, if he learned how to shoot a free throw, he's going to put the whole league on notice. I see them making a run in the East. I think it'll be a Bucks nets Eastern Conference Finals. So it's just going to be a matter of if they can get over that hump and beat the Nets. And then out of the West, I will go with the Warriors as well because I agree with Chandler that they're going to take a huge step forward again this year. They have Wiggins, Kuminga. They're going to get Klay Thompson back, which Splash Brothers back in action. That's yeah. going to be magic in the West. So I'll, I'll take the Warriors Bucks. And then from there, I'm not really sure who's going to win it. That's a, That series is a toss-up for me. Yeah, we'll talk We'll talk about that like in November maybe. Who, pick, yeah. who, yeah. who wins that one? <laughs> you guys are putting all your eggs in this basket about the Warriors. I just think you can't really trust Klay Thompson until you see him on the floor. I mean, this is a torn ACL and a torn Achilles, two of the worst injuries you could probably have and come back. You know, you have like career-ending injuries, which are obviously a different category. But as you said, two years off, 
we don't know. I mean, shoot or shoot. So it's not like he's going to lose it, but you just don't know how he's going to be on that floor. That's why I'm going with the obvious one. Nets and Lakers. Why not? Because why not? It's LeBron James. I mean, he has two bad seasons without being in the finals. Okay. Take it back from the Miami days where he went to, I believe it was like eight or 10 straight finals. But the, the one time he missed it with the Lakers, he was hurt. The other time he missed it with the Lakers, he was hurt. All he needs is a healthy season. And he's one of the best at managing his body through a full 82 game season plus the playoffs and about the nets, you know, similar to what you said, Chandler, this team is good with or without Kyrie Irving. They brought in veteran leadership and all those guys you mentioned. I think the one area they're lacking is just a rim protecting center. That's going to be the biggest thing that the nets, you know, that'd be their only weakness. But I think in terms of the Lakers, you know, they brought in a bunch of additions, but we've seen Westbrook or uh, we've seen LeBron. He's been able to play with Kyrie Irving. He's been able to play with Anthony Davis. He is one of the best at adapting with those kinds of players. So I will go Lakers Nets in the NBA finals. But overall, just a lot of great picks, not just in the NBA, but in the NFL. Pat Chandler, thank you guys for joining me here. You just want to give one quick plug to uh, right off the bus before we get out of here? Yeah, absolutely. And Joe, thank you for having us on Let Me Speak. A fantastic show as always. Look forward to listening to it. I, I hope your listeners enjoy it as well. But yeah, go check out Right Off The Bus. We're at Right Off The Bus on every social media except Twitter. We're right off the pod because we just can't get that handle for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, check us out on YouTube. Check us out on anywhere you can find a podcast, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Google Pod. Check us out, man. Right Off The Bus. It's a fun show. You'll hear Pat and I laughing a lot and uh, having a good time just talking sports. So check it out. And one more time, thank you, Joe, for uh, allowing us to come on here and share your space, man. It was a lot of fun. Pat, you want to throw something in there or did Chandler cover it all again? <laughs> Just as our show, Chandler handles the plug. So uh, <laughs> I, I let him do that. He did great. And uh, yeah, you can check us out there. Joe, thanks for having us. It was awesome. And, and don't worry, I will be sending in more listener questions. There so you go. guys got right, me. We, in we that. look forward to it. Thank you again, Chandler Hutchinson, Pat Mahoney. You can check out Right Off the Bus everywhere you find podcasts and follow their social media pages as they mentioned. Chandler and Pat, thanks for joining the show. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you, boss. Special thanks once again to Chandler and Pat for joining the show. Always great talking sports with those guys. And now it's time for our Let's Get Local segment of the week. And as I mentioned in our MLB segment, we got to talk about the Red Sox and their magical run heading into the ALCS. I mean, starting with the wild card game, I never would have thought they would have put up a performance like that. You know, only allowing Garrett Cole two innings, two innings, that's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And then going into the ALDS, I said I thought they could be competitive, but the way I kind of looked at that series was in game one, they got shut out. They were still kind of on an emotional high from the Yankees win because I think a lot of people were picking the Yankees to beat the Red Sox, you know, maybe outside of the Boston, New England area. We're thinking Yankees because of Garrett Cole on the mound. They had that emotional high. They got that win. And they just weren't ready for Tampa. And then all of a sudden, boom, they get 14 runs against this Tampa pitching staff. Unbelievable. And then 
in game three and four at Fenway. Just the walk-off from Vasquez, the sack fly from Kike. I never would have thought, never would have thought, especially the way that this uh, starting rotation and this pitching has looked all season long so inconsistent to see Nate Evaldi continue to be that ace, even to see Chris Sale struggle and Eduardo Rodriguez struggle, and to see the bullpen come out and just throw gem after gem after gem. Never would have thought of that. But, you know, it's kind of been that forte all year long. The offense has been able to bail them out because they've been spectacular at every single position. You look at it, when you look at the numbers, every starter outside of Christian Arroyo is hitting over 300 right now. And the biggest star has to be Kike Hernandez. I mean, 435, the sack fly, the plays in center field. This guy has been unreal. One of the biggest pickups from the offseason. One of the more valuable pickups, I should say. The fact that he's only getting paid $7 million a year, and he's a former World Series champion a year ago with the Dodgers. Kike is made for moments like this. But even more so than that, the way Alex Cora has been pushing all the right buttons in the bullpen has been incredible. I give Cora credit on that one. To see Nick Pavetta go in those extra innings and shut down Tampa was incredible. And then Tanner Houck, Garrett Whitlock, Josh Taylor, even Hansel Robles from time to time. I think Cora is making the perfect decisions in their bullpen. It was funny because in the wild card, when it was, I think it was after Evaldi gave up the home run to, I believe it was Judge, and then he put a guy on first base. Core came out, pulled him. I was like, what are you doing? He only allowed one hit. And sure enough, the rest of the bullpen shuts him down. So timely pitching, timely hitting, obviously. It's going to be really close with this Houston series. I think, you know, I think Houston's probably a better team. I just think they have more structure in terms uh, compared to Tampa. I think Tampa had a tremendous team talent, but they were basically relying on their bullpen. Houston's got starters plus the bullpen. I think, you know, it's easier to game plan against Tampa than it is versus Houston. So I think that's really where it comes down to in terms of how to how to game plan, how to prepare. I think this is going to be a much tougher series. And like I said during our MLB segment, it's got feels of 2003-2004 where the doubters are all around them saying, you know, this team's going to beat you. This team's going to beat you. This team's going to beat you. It's different where it's that underdog mentality. And granted, it's not really uh, an underdog mentality because I think everyone, you know, probably about midseason were saying, okay, you defied expectations. Now, if you're the best team in baseball, you should go uh, the distance as far as you can. But in terms of like preseason expectations, you know, on how far they would go, I mean, this team had the best record in baseball and then had to qualify on the last day of the regular season just to make a wild card spot. And just to see that happen, to see this team where it is right now is absolutely unreal. Absolutely unreal. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing that series kick off this Friday, tomorrow that is, in Houston when the Red Sox and the Astros face off. But speaking of Boston versus Houston, we got to talk about the Patriots. The New England Patriots just barely surviving, and I say surviving as the key word against Houston. And let's let's just be honest. They made Davis Mills look good. They made Davis Mills look good. 
312 yards and three touchdowns for that guy. 360 total yards allowed to the Texans. Really? Against Houston? The only teams that would do that that make you look worse are the Jets and Jacksonville. You are very lucky to escape that with a win. The good thing is that they don't take away wins based on performance, okay? The fact that they were down, what was it, 22 to 9 or 15 to 9, something like that, and they were at the goal line. You could have put the exclamation point on it with the touchdown, and instead you get the field goal. This team has got problems all around them. I mean, to start off, the offensive line has been dealing with a ton of injuries, okay? that That's number one. That's sort of, it, it's one of those things where it's sort of out of your control because of injuries and stuff like that, but so many pieces on that offensive line. Your defense stinks, absolutely stinks. In the secondary, I mean, <coughs> who's going to stop all these big-time receivers, okay? Especially against Dallas, okay? Is J.C. Jackson going to cover Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott? I don't think so. I don't think so. This defense has problems. And I don't think signing Jamie Collins for the third time is going to help that. So this, the only way this team gets better is if their defense actually plays good. Because aside from a fumble, this team, I, I kind of look at this team as 3-2, and two, but a very kind of fluky 3-2. and two. Because every single loss, they've been in this game. They've been in their games, and they've shot themselves in the foot. And Bill Belichick, I don't know if it's on him specifically or just the entire coaching staff, but that team needs to get disciplined, okay? Because it's not Mac Jones' fault. It's not the wide receiver's fault. It's on coaching overall. And it's not going to get any easier when you have to go back to Gillette and host the Cowboys, who are 4-1, and one, okay? I don't even expect a win out of this one I don't think this defense is going to be able to stop this high-powered Cowboys offense it feels like it's going to be an ugly game as I talked about with Chandler and Pat it's could it could be a 40 spot up for Dallas similar to what they did against the Giants last week I just don't see it I don't see a victory at home against this Dallas team I think this Dallas team is for real but speaking of again Boston versus Dallas that's how the Bruins are going to start their season when they get the puck drop on their new season this Saturday at the Garden against the Dallas Stars. Now, this is the first time we've talked Bruins in a little bit, and I got to be honest, you know, I had to I had to sport the t-shirt, obviously, with the season kicking off this Saturday. It feels like a new era. It kind of feels like a new era for Bruins hockey. I mean, David Krejci retired. He's back home. Jeremy Swayman is your new goalie. You don't sign Tuka Rask because he's dealing with an injury. And it just, it just feels like sort of a new era <coughs> when you think about it for this Bruins team. With You know, there wasn't a ton of changes. They they brought in a lot of guys like Foligno. And um, you got Linus Olmark as your backup goaltender. You know, it feels like a new era just because you have a new guy in between the pipes not named Thomas and not named Rask. But I think... You know, this is going to be crucial for the Bruins. You get a full season for Taylor Hall. He's going to mesh and, I think, form a very formidable big four with Marshan, Bergeron, and Pasternak. But similar to the postseason a year ago, the weapons outside of that big four is going to be the most important key. It's going to be the most important key because we saw 
when Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak Hall, when they're not on the ice, this offense falls flat, okay? They can't sustain any offense. They can't get any zone time. I think defensively, they got to get a little bit better. Resigning Mike Riley was absolutely huge in my eyes. I think this is going to be a real telling telling gear for this Bruins team just to see how far their future is going to go. Because, you know, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago about maybe Jack Eichel. Maybe if this team is sort of hovering around middle of the pack, they might make an effort to get Jack Eichel, regardless of injury or not. They might pair him with Taylor Hall. This could be sort of a new era because Bergeron's getting older, Marshawn's getting older. You know, all these guys are sort of near the end of their run. So it'll come down to guys like Coyle, DeBrusque, Frederick, you know, young guys who need to sort of institute a new generation of Boston Bruins hockey. And everyone knows what that looks like. So I'll be watching that game very closely against the Dallas Stars just to see how do they come out? How do they sort of make their statement in the very first game of the year? But another team who's also going to be starting their season are the Celtics. They're going to finish their preseason schedule this Friday against the Heat. And then they start the new year Wednesday night in Madison Square Garden taking on the New York Knicks. Now, I've said it for a while now, pretty much all offseason, is that, you know, the five, the four, five, or six seed is probably the expectation with this team. I think they finally have some depth behind uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum because they didn't really have that depth. They were relying on young guys weren't really offensive standpoints. But, you know, l- listen to the guys you bring in. Josh Richardson, Dennis Schroeder, Ennis Cantor, Al Horford, Juancho Hernan Gomez. You know, all these guys, you know, are just veteran presence and they know what it's like to be around. They can sustain offense when Tatum and Brown aren't on the floor. Marcus Smart just signed for some new money. Hopefully he understands his role and isn't going to be taking three after three after three like he thinks he's that knockdown shooter. Robert Williams is going to have to stay healthy. And who knows? There could be a big leap from the young guys like Neesmith and Pritchard and Romeo Langford. I want you to watch out for Langford because not only did he switch his number from 45 to 9, but he's finally healthy. He's finally got an offseason where he can train. He's fully healthy. <coughs> he could be a real X factor off the bench. For this Celtics team. And who even knows. Depending on how things go. You can move Schroeder or Smart to the bench. And put uh, Langford in that number two spot. You know. It'll be really interesting to see what the Celtics team does. Because they're also going through a culture shift too. You got Ime Udoka now as your head coach. Obviously when the season starts. There's still questions about is Jalen Brown going to recover from COVID? Is Al Horford going to recover in time from COVID? Even if they miss maybe the first one or two games, I don't think that's indicative of how the season is going to go because you can't you can't automatically assume what this team is going to be like after two games. You know, you got to talk to me in like January or February once you hit the All-Star break to really put in a conclusion on this team. But all four Boston teams are making the headlines and it's going to be a very active news cycle if you are in the Boston area.
Finally, to wrap up our show as we always do, it's time for our LOL moment of the week. And this week, we've got a repeat offender making his second appearance on the LOL moment. So without any further ado, this week's LOL moment of the week goes to... Sir Charles Barkley. Now, let's just give you a little backstory. The NHL is now on ESPN and Turner Sports. The NHL on TNT made its TV debut in a big and a hilarious way, if I might add. They brought on Charles Barkley just a few nights ago, obviously with a cross-promotion. He's got he's on Inside the NBA, where it's the NBA on TNT. Now they got the NHL on TNT. So why not get two of the greatest in their perform in their uh in their sports? I'm talking about Charles Barkley and the great one, Wayne Gretzky. And what makes for good television? How about a little hockey shootout? You know, five shots for Wayne Gretzky, Charles Barkley as the goaltender, and it went exactly as you think it would. Four out of five times, Gretzky put it in the back of the net. And there was one that was just flirting right there where all the analysts were just like, oh, it just missed. No goal, no goal. So it was kind of like a lucky bounce and stuff like that. But if you watch this video, Charles doesn't make any attempt at all. He's just moving his arm. You know, he's he's not doing anything like a regular goaltender. And obviously he shouldn't because A, he's old. B, he's out of shape. And C, he's not a hockey player. He's a basketball player. You know, he's one of the toughest that the... NBA has ever seen but he's not hockey tough let's keep that in mind let's keep that in mind that you know he's not a goaltender by trade and he's just sort of standing there just flailing his arms about let's be honest Chuck everyone knows Chuck is not in the best shape at all and like I said it went exactly as you thought it would with Wayne Gretzky you know super simple just one little flick he gets it in there you know, he's going five hole, he's going under the arm. And even Chuck's trying to make the excuse of like, my goaltending coach sucks. You know, that's just Charles being super funny and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, who doesn't love Charles Barkley on TV? Anytime he's on television, if he's making a late night appearance, if he's on doing an analyst thing, you know, whether it's the match or if it's NBA, MLB, stuff like that, I will watch it because Charles is an entertaining character. So, Sir Charles, you should probably stick to being a basketball analyst because your attempt at being a goaltender against the greatest hockey player of all time, I should correct myself because I know a lot of people, including my dad, are going to be mad that you don't say Bobby Orr. One of the greatest in Wayne Gretzky. The fact that you allowed him to just be himself and score on you multiple times has earned your way into this week's LOL moment of the week so that'll wrap up this edition of let me speak thank you everyone for tuning in if you're watching us on youtube or listening to us on spotify or apple Podcasts, make sure as always you follow our pages on social media facebook twitter and instagram all you gotta do is search let me speak podcast and remember, as always, if you've got a point you got to get across, just let the whole world know. Shut up and let me speak. <laughs>